We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. This is, this is, this is, this is. Heat Beat, Heat Beat, Heat Beat, with Giancarlo Navas and Ryan Goins. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today is co-founder slash producer, Mr. Brian Goins. What's up? Uh, for the second time, I'm introducing him because Brian forgot to hit record. Uh, team Petty President, Harrison Citron. Good to be back. Oh, you, sir? I'm not going to go through the monologue I went through last time. And Mr. from... Uh, Nikaias, is it the fast break or, or what is what is today's fast break? Today's fast break. That's you know I wanted to name uh, my column is um, is give and go. The name I wanted was the fast break, but you know obviously today's fast break I didn't want to copy. <laughs> so Nikaias, Nikaias Duncan is is joining us today and um, the king of puns. The king of puns. Listen, we are all just in Nikaias' pun world. He is the standard for puns. He's so good. Slash Greek God of Heat Twitter. Slash Greek God of Heat Twitter. Slash um, Pizza's Intellect. Slash Middleton's Intellect. There we go. I appreciate your kind words, fellas. <laughs> so let's start. Okay. I'm gonna let's let's do this. Let's blast through Chris Bosch stuff because I feel like we've done over nine thousand Chris Bosch shows, and I feel like everybody in Miami has done over nine thousand Chris Bosch shows. And I'm sure Ethan's sick of it. I'm sure Dan is sick of it. Well, Dan's national, but still, I'm sure the audience is sick of it. But I think we should very briefly discuss the fact that it was kind of made official, and that'll branch off into everything else that we're going to talk about. Uh, so, Nikaya, since you haven't been on in a long time, like Riley's words, I, I think people. I don't think people were very, they were very polarizing about the subject. So some people were very on one side, some people were very on the other. They didn't like the language used. Why are we still fighting about this? Um, I'm not sure. I guess because it's such a touchy subject, you know, you gotta, you really have to walk on the eggshells about it since this subject is so sensitive. Um, beyond that, I didn't really think much of Riley's comments on Media Day. Um, I understand why he had to be as blunt as he did because the situation is drawn on. It seems like it was about to get ugly, especially with Bosch um, starting his Bosch Rebuilt series and things of that nature. So, um, I don't know. Beyond that, um, I guess the finality is fine. Um, it's nice to have, like, at least an answer. Like, I feel like there's no more questions or at least no immediate questions. I think what the roster is is kind of what we're going to get, minus Chris Bosch. Oh, yeah. And I think Riley definitely wanted um, to go ahead and end everything. I can tell that was probably when. Oh, yeah, he was happy. Um, Harrison, I'm sure, you're ready uh, to, I'm sure you're ready to unload. Uh, I just think, uh, you know, with the... Sorry. No, before you start, I do want to like I, I kind of want to get your perspective on the just, I guess, the firing squads on each side. Right. So why are we attacking Riley? You know, and I think that's where you kind of want to go. Right. 
Yeah, I was going to say, like, with the debate last night, and I think America in general, you just pick a side, and when someone attacks your side, you just, you berate them as if they called your mother a bad name, and that's just where we're at. Like, people have either chosen whether to defend the players or the organization, and when, you know, when anything happens, they just go crazy. So, I don't think anything was that new that happened. Riley was just totally ready to move on. And, you know, Bosch was hurt that the Heat, he felt like the Heat weren't doing more to get him back on the court or help him get there. So, you know, that's kind of where we are. And there was an interesting question yesterday. They asked Riley, you know, oh, do you see Bosch playing again? And he said, well, that's up to him. So, you know, Riley wasn't necessarily saying he'll never play again. He was just saying that he's done playing for the Heat. The Heat are moving on. Whatever that means for, you know, cap ramifications and all that jazz, the Heat are moving on from Chris Bosh, and and they really feel like they're saving him from himself. So that's really where we're at. This is the kind of vibe I got. I got the vibe that Bosh was told in February that he's probably not going to be able to play anymore. And I felt that he thought that that was very direct and that that was not really exploring all their options. So Bosh is trying to desperately find programs that'll get him back on court. And I think the Heat are kind of uncomfortable with these programs. So while the Heat are not as gung-ho as Chris are, Chris sees that as you don't really want me back on because now in the offseason, you can see that there might be something for them to gain. I don't believe that, um, but I just I can understand why Chris thinks that. So while Chris is exploring all these options, what I can infer is that maybe the Heat were not as with him on looking for other programs to get on the court, like the Zeralta or whatever other medications he was trying to take. And I felt that the Heat did not want to make uh, their player a test rat and have a calamity on the court. Though, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was coming from Bosch Camp or whatever, it very much sounded like the Heat were planning to clear him or, or, or were thinking they were going to clear him for this physical. Had he, had he passed it. Right, right, right. So, like, they, I think they were, they were coming to some type of compromise, whether – I mean, I don't really know the medicine behind it. I'm not sure if you could take blood thinners in the morning and be okay to play at night. But – I think they were hoping for a resolution and something, you know, very bad came up in this uh, in this physical. And I the think heat it was just, another clot, correct? I, I don't know the exact details, but uh, or something showing that another clot was likely, you know, any of those things. So, listen, I, I don't know why the heat are the bad guy in this situation. I understand Bosch is frustrated. I understand he's been told that he can't do something that he is one of the greatest in the world at. And that's devastating to someone to not know that you, you know, you're not gonna be able to wake up and do the thing that you absolutely love to do anymore. But I'm not sure why Riley or the heat or the heat doctors are being painted in a, in a negative light. Will you go down that road with me? And Nikaisa, I want to get you on in, in on this too. Will you go down that road with me that I think the divide here is he Bosch was very willing to look at other approaches to get back on the court. And the heat did not want that responsibility. And that's where the disconnect happens, because that's the only logical thing I can see. Um, I think you're I think that's the only explanation. I think that's I think, where a clear rift could happen. Where I think Bosch saying is makes saying, sense and what they say makes sense. I think Bosch is saying I'm the highest paid player on the team. I'm the best player on the team. The team is better with me on the court. Why wouldn't you look for more solutions to get me on the court? And the heater like we're not risking your life for a basketball game. And, okay. that, and that's a rift. I mean, yeah, I think that's basically it. I mean, it just, the risk really didn't make much sense to me. I kind of understood why Bosch was so, uh, I guess, so adamant about wanting to play because he's done this for most of his life and things of that nature. And I guess from the outside perspective, I mean, it really didn't make sense for Miami to be trying to hold him out just for money considering he is their best player and he's their seasoned vet and he has all this um, rapport with them. Is he top 15 in the world? Like, is he one a top 15 player if he's healthy? I mean, I, I think you can make that argument. I'd say at least 20. I think 15 is probably fair. Like, he's incredible. <laughs> he's, he's probably the best center in the East, right? Like, is there a better center in the East than him? Um, 
I can't think of Probably any. Not. I, I guess yeah. somebody might argue Andre Drummond, but but that's not a good argument. Okay. Yeah, I, don't think, <laughs> I, <don't>. <laughs> I, I think I think what really made Bosch so so uh, crucial for the Heat and just re- really where his career took off and no one noticed because everyone was blaming him for the times the Heat lost was just. His defensive acumen, his defensive IQ is so high, um, and he's such a good defender, especially in the pick and roll, that like that's that's not replaceable. And you, you saw where, man, if we had – like last year you were thinking, man, if Bosch is out there, this is a completely different team. And look, it's sad. You know what? It's sad because we all love Chris Bosch, uh, not only as a person as, but as a player, and it sucks. It just sucks. But so here's a here's a Riley quote in regards to what we were talking about about the looking for medical options. Contrary to how this thing has per- been perpetrated in the media, we have worked very very hard with Chris. Riley stated for very hard. Our doctors have been very content conscientious to the point where whoever he wanted a second or third or fourth opinion, we talked to. We got to the point where we were heading down a road and were very excited, kind of to what you were alluding to, Harrison, about clearing him to something we thought that would work, and then the physical simply wouldn't clear him. So the next step. Um, so I guess kind of it's exactly what we were talking about. And it's it's just, man, it's rough for him and it's rough for them. And I think everybody has egg on their face. Yeah, I think the combination of Bosch being in denial and Riley being so definitive, I guess that probably created more of a rift between the two. Yeah, so, I mean, I, and I... It sucks how this relationship kind of turned this way, right? Because I felt, I mean, I think we all felt that Chris had a great relationship with the organization, especially when he came back. Uh, I know, you know, Henry Thomas and, and him leveraged the heat for all that that contract money, but still, you kind of felt that there was something there, and it's it's kind of eh, it's not ending well. <laughs> okay, by the way, I, um, we, Brian has provided the Barry Jackson story. The doctors found more evidence of blood clotting in Miami forward Chris Bosch. This is a segment we call "Reading from Barry Jackson's Column," derailing his comeback to. <laughs> according to a source of complication believed to be in his lung that's bad involved in evidence of some continued clotting and is believed to be related to one of the two previous blood clot episodes so another clot in his lungs and uh, it just sounds so bad so So, bad yeah i mean what what it is is that once this once you get these clots it was you know the first clot was like okay let's find let's figure this out let's get him back on the court we get him back on the court he's he's healthy the problem with the second clot is that you're more likely to develop other clots in the future odds are botch gonna have to be on some type of blood thinner for the rest of his life and listen no one wants to talk about what could possibly happen but dude goes up for a rebound and gets a bruise anywhere on his body he could be dead by the time they get him to a hospital could even be from his own teammate it could be from anything like listen i bruise pretty easily and i'm not an athlete at all okay like i've walked into beds and bruised myself so we're talking about a dude who's playing a very physical sport going after a rebound with nine other dudes on the court i'm i'm not sure how chris bosh being a guy who's fouled a lot he gets hit all the time. I'm not sure how Chris Bosch is sitting there like, this is going to be fine. Um, I know he's disappointed. I know that, you know, this is his livelihood. This is the thing he's the greatest at the world at. I'm not sure how he sits down with five beautiful children and thinks like, this is more important than what I have back at home. But that's and- the confusing part. Like, he's been a guy, and I think we've all seen that that he's a guy that seemed oddly equipped to handle life after basketball because he he's into craft beer he blogs about food he's a huge music fan he wants to learn how to write code he's into technology he does so many things he travels he has a family that he's very publicly all about like i guess it's a little surprising to a lot of people how how this guy ends up in this place where he's willing to risk everything to what seems to be such a full life. And it's odd, but remember guys, he was the one that was crying in the locker room in 2011 when they lost to the Mavs, it wasn't LeBron and it wasn't Dwayne. I mean like that guy cares. So, well, it might be surprising to a lot of people because of the family, because of the interest, this guy cares so much. You remember at the pep rally? When he was the one yelling and screaming, and I'll never forget. So he does a big roar, and Dwayne's sitting next to him, and he like kind of covers his mouth because he's laughing because he's like, "Oh my god, this guy's so hype!" You know what I mean? Like, he's a very passionate guy. 
Yeah, I mean, that's 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 what we're that's what we did as fans. Where we were, we made assumptions about Bosch that weren't correct. That's that's kind of what you were alluding to in the article that you wrote. That you See, know, I don't just, think I don't think it was assumptions. I think it's still true, but I think we forget how much he loves the game. I mean, I, I made poor assumptions. I was just like, okay, you can't play basketball anymore. You like craft beer. You like coding. You have five kids. Like, there's a lot of other things you can do with your time. I really think Bosch should open a brewery. It would do very well in Miami. Oh my god, how lit! Well, not maybe not anymore. <laughs> Uh, but I, no, I, listen, we've been, I mean, he probably hates, I don't know how he's feeling, but no, yeah, dude, I've been, the I've been, Paul stuff that, that can't help business. No, but I've been saying for months that like, man, you like brewing beer. Uh, you know, there's a ton of spots in Miami where you could open a brewery and your Chris Bosch, you do incredibly well, but listen, man, I'm not in his head. I don't know what he likes to do. And this is obviously like, this is devastating from him. I, but again, I, my issue with all this stuff is I hate LeBron's fingerprints on yes, everything. Unleash Harrison. Um, it's really obnoxious that, you know, LeBron's in his ear telling him he should play, telling him he can't believe the heat turned his back on him, getting him to go with his uh, Maverick Carter to make a film. Um, you know, this is this is where you're really just digging into heat fans. So like not only did LeBron leave, not only have we had every injury known to man since he left, not only did our franchise player leave, um, but now you're taking like LeBron took everything away from us. Like he gave us everything and then he took it all away. It's the most devastating turnaround to go from we are on top of the world. We cannot, you know, we, all we do is make the finals to, Look at look at the remains of the Miami Heat. It's a, I mean, it's like a. Guys, I know we were talking about this pregame, uh, pre-show, pregame, pre-show. <laughs> it's it's weird to me how, like, especially the quotes today, and I don't know, Brian, if maybe you you can pull them up for me because I'm I'm having trouble finding them. The quotes to me today seem very like they seem very middle school. You know what I mean? Like, it, it was, it felt. It, it felt like it was very clear that the intention was to instigate and it's like we're stupid or something like it was very clearly instigational you know what I mean like and I, I thought that was odd from him and I'm always a, a big supporter of his but that one just seemed uh. yeah I was kind of off on it honestly when I first saw it I didn't think much of it because I know Bosch and LeBron have a great relationship things of that nature but I think it was um, I think it was Jack's tweet and he was saying that LeBron basically used Bosch to take a shot at the Heat. And I was like, wow, I didn't even think of it like that. And then I saw um, Rachel Hoops. So Rachel tweeted about it. And I was like, you know what? That kind of makes sense, especially the wording of it. Like how they just <laughs> turned their back on him. I'm just like, no, they don't want him to die. I mean, it's not. <laughs> I don't think they're well, that's, serious that, about it. That guys, you can stop there. No, they just don't want him to die. <laughs> Though I have the quote right here. I stand behind my brother Chris. The most important thing is his health. Whatever de- whatever decision he wants to do, I'm all for it. I support him in every way, shape, and facet. It's a difficult situation for him. I was pretty surprised to hear that the team was just done for him. For them to just come out and say that, but not like I've been there. I've only seen it from the exterior. I wish him the best. He has my support. Dude, that was so like middle school instigating. Yeah. It's not like I've been there, but, you know, it's a, I thought it was pretty bad for them to just come out and do that. Like, what are you talking about, dude? Uh, the LeBron the LeBron James school of uh, passive aggressiveness is absurd. I mean, between, just with him or yesterday with the Gabby Union. I thought you were going to do it. I was going to say Gabby Union valedictorian. No, no, so wait. Yo, she, I mean, she graduated. Yeah, she was the best in the class. So, you know, she tweets and people are like, how could you possibly think it's about her? And she comes out and says, if I wanted it to be about them, I would have tweeted earlier. But then Adrian Bosch, Chris's wife, favorites every tweet. And you're like, OK. Hold on, wait, but they, they, they have the same friends. Like maybe that's about somebody in their inner circle. No, it's OK. Listen, it's not, you can't I'm be that saying, naive. Give, I'm give her the benefit of the doubt. Listen, listen, they they love doing this stuff, man. It's part of like it's just part of who they are. They love, you know, they left. They're not happy. They're going to continue to bash the organization till the end of time. Dwayne um, hasn't Dwayne hasn't done it. I think Dwayne's smarter about stuff like that. I mean, but but at the same time, I Dwayne Snapchat Dwayne Snapchatting on the boat with LeBron during, you know, when he should be trying to work out a contract with the Heat didn't really help his cause. So, you know, I think he just he realized like, you know, he did everything right with his with leaving in terms of I thank the fans, 
which is an easy thing to do. I still can't believe LeBron never did that because anyone and their mother thanks the fans when they leave. Like uh, like in football, offensive linemen who are on the team for a week getting signed by the practice squad thank the fans. And I just feel like, you know, look, that's part of the school. And uh, hey, I guess since we're opening, I, I, I don't really, I don't really get him not thank. I don't really care, but I don't really get it. It was just, it was a weird thing to do, but like, whatever. I don't really care. What I do want to get into is Harrison and Nikias. Where where is this disconnect? Because the organization clearly feels like they've done everything right, mm-hmm. and the players are upset about something. And I don't know what. And while we can say that, and, and while I believe that these are factors, LeBron wanted more power, and they didn't give it to him. Dwayne wanted more money. I think the Dwayne thing's pretty clear. I, I think the Dwayne thing's pretty clear. I think what's what's not clear is where the trust went. Mm. And, and same with the Chris thing. Like, what are they doing, or where is the disconnect that the players aren't meeting eye to eye with the organization? Because I don't, I don't think that there's a pillar of evil that Riley or Le, you know, I, I don't think they're bad. I don't think they're bad guys. But LeBron clearly has that animosity toward this organization and it's really weird because i don't even i can't even begin to fathom what it is but something had to have happened for him to feel this way he didn't even do that to cleveland when they threw batteries at him he didn't say any of this i i have a i have a i have a theory but uh i don't know if it's gonna be one of those okay let's go with your crazy theory let's go let's hear it um, well, I think there's a few things, uh, specifically with LeBron. I think LeBron co- probably looked up to Riley as a sort of like, like NBA father figure, like a dude that he could learn from, um, a dude that he highly, highly respected. And I think when he left and Riley, I'm sure Riley said a very, very terrible things to him. Like, this is the biggest mistake of your life. You'll never regret it. Um, he just took it incredibly personally. And when you, when you really, really respect someone and they completely shock you in their reaction, like I think LeBron was thinking Riley would be like, thank you for your four years, go do what you have to do. And when the opposite, the total opposite happens, I think he's just incredibly, um, offended by what Riley said, whatever those words were, whatever the parting shots, um, and that's what I think has happened. And now LeBron will like stop at nothing to take a dig at the Heat. In terms of the in terms of the other stuff, I think honestly what you have is the Heat have always prided themselves on this like family and all the things that they do, which is only hurting themselves because if you think about it, Riley and the organization have completely different goals than the players. Like they have a common goal to win, but after that, like Riley wants to win at any cost possible. Whereas the players want to win, but they also want to get theirs. And that's a huge divide. Like and by the way, theirs is not just money, it's recognition. It's, it's everything. Yeah. So so you know, like listen. Dwayne Wade is thinking like I'm the greatest player in franchise history I've done everything for this organization I've given back money time and time again and you're going to go give some guy off the street a max contract you're going to go meet with Kevin Durant who has no connection to this organization before me like Wade got pissed and when you combine that with LeBron on the boat with him probably telling him all these things like they they don't appreciate you they're not going to give you enough money like that's all that happened. And so and so Riley's there thinking like, okay, Wade will come back and help us. Of course, we're going to give him $20 million a year. That's perfectly fair at his age in this market. And Wade was thinking like, nah, you're going to give me everything. And that's it. And uh, a guy I like to follow on Twitter, he's used to be a sports agent, is basically saying the reason why – the the reason why people don't stay on the same teams for a long period of time is because at the end of your careers, your goals are completely different. Riley wants to win no matter what. The players want theirs. They want recognition. They want fame. They want money. They they want to be appreciated because ego plays a huge role in being a superstar. Like you have to be egotistical in order to be the like great. And um, well, with, the, with the Dwayne stuff, I think what also happened is. Dwayne wanted Dwayne wanted D- Riley Riley made assumptions with Dwayne and I think I think it was reported Riley did speak to Dwayne at the exit meeting and he kind of gave him a very brief thing of the plan I don't think Dwayne was a fan of how he was saying things and I think there was some trust loss uh, that that the what 
what I don't understand is where the trust was lost with Dwayne. But if if we move forward, I think Dwayne wanted more money, and then I think, and we all know that you know Riley's a hard ass, and Riley is just as stubborn as the players are sometimes, and they just got into a, a, a pissing contest, and Dwayne walked because they went in, and and I also think that Mickey wants to have a unified front. I, I don't think it helps when, especially last off season, when Riley's blowing all hot air and he, he's all this bravado and then Mickey has to come in begging Dwayne to come back. I don't think that's a good look for the organization. Not that it's just good cop, bad cop, but you know, you kind of want to, like, you know, like when your parents, when your parents are going to like scold you, but they have to be, a, you know, maybe like mom doesn't really agree with it, but dad does, but you got to be a unified front. You know, that's kind of like Mickey and Pat. You know, like they have to do the unified front for Dwayne. Um, so I, I kind of think that was in play as well. The guys have been quiet. Come on, chime in. I'm sorry, I'm just listening to y'all. But um, I think I, more than I, ever in this era, with like the cap boom and players having more power to move around and do things like that, I think player owner relationships are more important. And I think Riley, being as old school as he is. I think that was probably the beginning stages of that disconnect between him and LeBron because LeBron knows his value on and off the court. And I think LeBron wanted more of that power and more recognition as if he doesn't get enough already. But Riley's kind of like, I'd steer the ship. You know, you guys do what you do on the court. Get it, get in line. Yeah. So I think that kind of probably wrote LeBron the wrong way. And from there, when you add in all the sacrifices Dwayne made and then Riley's playing hardball, then it's kind of like, where's the respect? And then you get into the Bosch situation and Riley's being, you know, even if he did try to get Bosch, I mean, try to consult with Bosch about the doctors and things of that nature, Bosch was more open to finding different options than Riley was. And Riley pretty much just said, all right, you failed the physical, that's it. And even though from the outside it makes sense because of the blood clot issues, Bosch is probably like, okay, it's not, it's not like you guys really wanted me back anyway. Why then, is the national media getting on them for that though? Uh, okay, so what, what, like, why, why is the national media attacking them? Because like, I feel like beat writers in other con- in other countries, in other uh, states, <laughs> and yeah, that too probably. Like, why, why is this yeah. falling on their heads? Um, I think in general, especially in the social media era, a lot of people love to pile on. So I think it's kind of interesting to see Miami as this seen as this great organization. When you lose LeBron and then two years later you lose Dwayne and then it looks like you're about to lose Chris Bosh, it's going to look crazy from the outside. And then when you see Wade left over money, LeBron left over power, and then the blood class situation, there's been so much information withheld from the public. If you aren't, you know, really in tune in Miami and think with their news and stuff like that, I mean, you don't really have much to work off of. So once you add in that prior track record, then it's just kind of like, oh, well, I see Riley's on a power trip or whatever. There's. Yeah, I think you guys both make really, really, really good points. I think it really is just based on repeated trauma, right? I mean, you go from LeBron, you know, LeBron left and he was mad for a multitude of reasons, whether it was like amnestying Mike, Mike Miller or trading Joel Anthony, you know, that those were, you know, those were things that were thrown in the face. And then, like you said, Mickey Harrison had to get in the room with Dwayne, La- you know, not, not this past summer, but the summer before. So I'm sure Dwayne was like, this will never happen again. And then, and now Bosch is like, look what they've done to the two other superstars on this team. They don't care about us. Um, it's just this I, thing. It, it make look. Listen, it makes Riley look like this ruthless person who who wants to win at at you know. It doesn't matter who who is in the way. It doesn't matter if they're the best player who's ever played for the franchise. Uh, it doesn't matter if they're the franchise player itself. It doesn't matter if they're the, you know the the guy maybe the best defenders ever. You know, it's just like. It's becoming this, like, you know, Riley doesn't have it anymore. Riley can't connect with the players anymore. And so I think that's probably why Riley's Riley's making comments about, you know, the transition. Uh, because he's probably thinking, I haven't really done anything wrong, like, yet. I'm sure Riley is self-aware. I don't think he's sitting on this cloud, oh, like... I see, I think that he is not self-aware, and I think the players are also not self-aware. And I think it's a lot of unself-aware people with huge egos. 
And I think no, that's what's I, happening. No, no, I don't think I don't think it's that where they're just sitting there like not understanding what's going on. I just think they don't want to see the other side. It's not necessarily that they're not aware of what their oh, actions are doing. It's just they see the other side and they just get annoyed. Like like yesterday when we were in the group chat and I was yelling at all you guys about this and I said some things I should like it was just me seeing the other side and not wanting to accept that the other side was possible, right? Even though I even though I'm totally aware that any other like there are a multitude of reasons why things happen. So it's just stubbornness. It's it's like it's egotistical and it's stubbornness and it's coming from people who have needed it in order to be great. Like Riley isn't the dude he is without his without you know the makeup of himself. Neither is LeBron. Neither is Wade. Neither is Bosh. And you get all these people together, and they bought in for four magical years, right? I mean, they were like you couldn't have asked for better teammates and players in an organization. And the fallout is devastating. You know, it's funny that you say that for the, for the four magical years. Um, it's it feels almost I think we've joked on he Twitter it's like the LeBron curse right like we had that and now there is a price that you have to pay and it kind of remi- and I know you guys are gonna make fun of me but there so there's this very famous anime and it's called Full Metal Alchemist <sighs> no hold on wait yeah no I'm making the reference I'm doing this I haven't talked about anime in like 10 20 shows and the premise of the show is about alchemy and, and the law of equivalent exchange that humankind cannot gain anything without What's first alchemy? giving something in return to obtain something of equal value something must be lost right so it's just so what the heat did was transmute a magical four years of awesome and what is the aftermath is lebron leaving winning a title Dwayne's leaving what are you doing with your phone <laughs> are you making fun of me he just went full blown Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> Me? No, I'm listening, man. I That's good, dude. And then like all this happened, and it's equivalent exchange, dude. It's alchemy. Riley is an alchemist. Listen, gee, I'm not, I'm not doubting that like this anime has. I'm sure there's some type. It's of, amazing. So I'm, I'm sure there's some type of analogy, but you have to realize that, especially in our group, like. Whoa. People watch anime, so but the analogy I made, you don't need to watch the show. I just everybody knows what alchemy is, and I gave the quote of of what equivalent exchange is, and and I compared it. Come on, dude. But it would be different. It would be different if you were like, you guys should check this out. Thinking no, that people you, would actually you guys, do it. You guys don't want to check it out, and you'll never check it out. But right, but, yeah, Nikias, defend me. Somebody help me. But anyone who's listening to this podcast, like, is now going to shut it off. Like, we just lost. We lost the three people that listened. So, <laughs> eight we're people. Down, we're down. Yeah. So now we're now we're down to one, which is probably my mom. So that's it. You know, like that's. I think Alf, you think Alf, Alf turns it off. Dose always listens. So shout out to Ad Dose. Yeah. Dose and Tony is Tony likes listening on the way to work. So. Oh, and that one guy on Twitter that is Dion Starters. Yo, shout out to you. I forget what your ad is. <laughs> that guy's yeah. awesome. Now we lost everybody. There's no one left. My mom. My mom just. <laughs> Your mom's like, what is what is he Twitter? <laughs> you know, we've had uh, we've had a very, I guess it's very how do I explain it? Colomy show. We've talked, discussed opinions. I do want to get into a little basketball X's and O's. We haven't done that in a while. And uh, Nikias, power forward position is very thin. It's very scary. What the hell are they going to do? Is like Luke Babbitt going to be a thing? Like McRoberts is hurt again already. He hasn't even played. Well, first they're going to pray. And then after this, (laughs) (laughs) they're going to pray. They're going to give Derek Williams a bunch of minutes. And we're going to see. Oh, Lord. Kind of live up to the athleticism and potential that he has. Um, God, it's me again. (laughs) (laughs) I need one more favor. Oh my goodness gracious! Uh, They're gonna have to give him a lot of minutes, right? Yeah, I say they give him minutes, and I think eventually we're going to see that Goran, TJ, Josh, um, Richardson, Justice, oh, and Hassan whoa. lineup. Oh, yeah. Hey man, we got a shooting coach now, so you know, <laughs> yeah, the shooting coach. <laughs> What's his name? Do you know? Do we know his name? You know, I don't, I, I don't want to know his name. His name is shooting coach. As far as Heat Beat is concerned. The gentleman's name is Shooting Coach. Maybe he'll come on one day, and we'll just call him Shooting Coach the whole time. Um, he has to fix justice. Harrison, you, you, nothing to say? You have no Luke Babbitt takes? 
Um, I mean, listen, the, the, the McRoberts thing is infuriating. Um, I actually changed my other fantasy football name because I thought I had cursed him because my name for a while was McBobba, my Ennis. And so I was just like, all right, so I changed, but now that he's hurt, I went back. So now it's McBob on my Johnson just to be more current with the roster. But, um, the power, of, I, I think we're going to be surprised with Derek Williams. I think Derek Williams is the guy that's going to start the, um, the guy that's going to, uh, listen, this team is going to be all about defense and running. I don't think we have any other way to win. So it's going to, we're going to lock in on defense. Uh, I think we could be a top five defensive team. Um, you know, you know, hot take cannon just fired. Boy, that's ambitious. And no, 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 I think. And. Uh, I think Drogic and Whiteside are going to be all-star caliber players this year. I think they're going to stay healthy. I think they're going to play really well together. And I think we're going to see the Drogic that we're hoping we were going to see when we traded for him from Phoenix. Uh, and I just think I think we brought in dudes that are going to be able to play play with each other. I think we have guys that fit together, which we haven't had for the last two years. Uh, now, listen, I'm not— Shot under thirty percent from three last season. No, no, and listen, I know these things. I'm not I'm not saying he's gonna be, you know, I'm not gonna he's gonna get out there and shoot forty percent. I don't. That's think, you bad, know, dude. I know, but I don't think they're gonna depend on him for three point shooting. I think they're gonna depend on him to be an athletic freak that can get to the basket and cause some havoc. Isn't that what Hassan's for? Hassan's gonna be gobbling up rebounds and dunking, dunking on people. No, but That's the, what he the does. Point of, the point of Hassan is to be an, uh, an athletic freak who runs pick and roll. And the hell is this Derek Williams gonna do? Like that's Hassan's job. Like you can't have two guys doing that. I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm a dummy. I think it's gonna work. Uh, I don't really have a lot of. Uh, I haven't like explicitly watched Derek Williams, but he. But I know he had a nice year on the Knicks last year, and I think we get the best out of these guys. That's why. He was willing to take rebounds. Man, you're so skeptical. Like, I, I really want to bring up TJ. So you just start. Oh my god, that guy! I don't. Let's save him for the end. I want Nikias okay. to get in on our Derek Williams. <laughs> no, Nikias, hear me out. Like, I don't like the idea of having a guy that needs to be the screen setter in the pick and roll when Hassan should be the screen setter in the pick and roll. Right. So like, yeah, maybe you can have Hassan off the ball sometimes and either cut in, but I don't really trust Hassan cutting in and making good decisions or shooting the little baby 15 footer. Right. But like, mm-hmm. are you really maximizing your offense? If Hassan's shooting 15 footers, you know what I mean? Like, his role should be in the pick and roll. Like he has to be the guy going to the basket, create offensive rebound opportunities. Uh, he's been a lot better of a screener and he's a really terrific finisher. But so if you have Derek Williams in the game, you're not going to have his ass shooting jumpers. Uh, you want him in the pick and roll. And because he's more limited than Hassan, Hassan gets relegated to a lesser role sometimes. So like, that's my problem with these guys with these redundant skill sets. And I, I don't know. I just not a fan of it. Um, I'm not too concerned about it on offense. Derrick Williams is an awful defender. I don't think there's much saving him. But offensively, I think it's going to be fine. I think that's... I I believe. You said what? If if Spo fixed Gerald Green, I'll believe anything. Oh, see, I don't think... uh, Well, from last year when I watched Derrick Williams, I don't think effort was an issue for him defensively. With Gerald Green, it was kind of... He didn't... He had effort issues on top of him being all over the place. Last year, we had no issues with effort with him. I think the same could have been said about Michael Beasley a couple years ago. He really put forth effort. You just kind of learned, well, hey, he just doesn't have it. But um, in terms of offense, I think Goran and TJ, since Josh, well, I don't know when Josh Richardson is going to be back. But I think if you start Tyler Johnson, he ranked in the, I want to say, 88th percentile as a pick and roll ball handler last year. So I think if nothing else, you can have Goran and Hassan start a pick and roll, and then if the defense rotates, you'll have Tyler Johnson then kind of run some secondary option, some secondary action with Derrick Williams on the weak I side. I just think you can help off those guys, right? So like you you make it so that you can help off Derrick Williams, and what you're doing is you're forcing the Heat to go to Derrick Williams. Yeah. I mean, he's shown the ability to attack closeout, so I don't think that's going to be awful. But I do see your concern. No, and it's and it's it's also my my thing with the Winslow at the four lineup, right? So if you have Hassan and Winslow in the game, you have two guys that you're not that confident um, in their in their playmaking, not not playmaking ability, but maybe their their shot making ability if they're not in the pick and roll. And that's that's just my my concern, right? With with those two guys on the floor, because if you can help off of Winslow, 
you're asking a lot out of him to make a play every time on offense, right? So if he gets open when guys help, he has to make a play, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like he's, you know, Isaiah Thomas quick. You know what I mean? Like when he gets the ball, it's either shoot or dribble and make a play. And you're really that's a lot of responsibility for a second year player. So I guess I, I, I would say that was met with silence. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> or I didn't, no. know. I didn't know if Harrison was about to jump in or not. Then wins. Well, my my issue is that Giancarlo is so negative that it's hard to like try and say anything else because he'll just like continually take a dump on what you have to say. I'm not negative. I think they're going to win 40 games. But, but just, it's tough. It's tough, right? Because you, you know, like the you know the actions of basketball a little bit better than me. So when I just say like I think Derek Williams can be good, I don't really know where that's coming from like that's just me being <laughs> that's just me being optimistic but truthfully i think i think winslow at the four is going to end up being the closing lineup and from there you have some options like yeah you want goran with the ball because you really don't want him in the corner like he was uh, at, at a, a lot of the season last year but i think whether you're running with winslow or i really do think his shot will improve i don't think it's going to be like amazing but i don't think it's going to be nearly as bad as last year um, i think you're just gonna have a really athletic lineup that can run and if you're if you're closing with uh, like a Goron, uh, TJ, Josh Richardson, Winslow, and Hassan, you have like a lot of athletes on the floor that can defend, that can fly, that can run. Um, not I'm not sure if you have enough shooting in that lineup, but no, but and, uh, and that's that's my argument that in this league, and if you're gonna play at that pace, it's really because uh, imagine you're gonna you're gonna that team is gonna up amount of possessions. Right. So they're going to they're going to bump up their amount of possessions. It's going to give if you're not shooting threes and they are, they're getting more three point opportunities than you. And just by simple math, that's going to be very difficult. What I do think they're going to be good at is I think they're going to be such a versatile defensive unit and their small guys can guard big guys and their big guys can go out to guard small guys. So I think they're going to have a lot of flexibility on defense to really deal with ball movement. Like last year, it was it was really difficult to deal with ball movement because they had a lot of slow people. I think this season they're going to be playing more minutes to to quicker guys so i I, it's just i don't think they're going to be bad i just think it's going to look real bad at times i I mean sorry you can go ahead okay i gotta say that's kind of the benefit of having winslow at the four i think they'll be able to get stops and get out in transition and on top of that i think this will be the first year that spo actually gets to run a pace and space offense that even in the half court they're going to move quick and just as it's so good off ball, if he does have minimal improvement with a jumper, he's still an advanced cutter already. So even if you do run some action with Drogic and Whiteside, you know, Winslow doesn't have to stand still. No. No, and, and he's a mover, and that's what I'm saying. But that's why I say that if they help off of Justice, what you're doing is you're forcing him to finish or you're forcing him to to make a play off the dribble. And I just think upping his usage that way is just not going to be great for his numbers, and, and that's what they're going to have to do, though. Uh, I do have a question for you defensively, Nikias. Um, do you think they're going to load up, like defensively, how they kind of did in the big three years, kind of really – trap pick and rolls press and try to force turnovers because I think that's another way they're going to try to like produce some offense if it's not going well early. I think that's going to depend on who they start at the four. I think Hassan's going to hang back and pick and rolls regardless. I think that's really where he had his success at. But um, if they start Derrick Williams, I'm not sure they can really afford to. If they do start just at the four, and I think they can trap and rotate just No, and obviously it's the 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 defensive stuff is going to change very lineup to lineup. And he, and Jay Rich is not looks like he probably won't be ready day one. But when you have guys like Jay Rich and Justice and TJ in the lineup, then I think you can afford. Uh, you know, you can have that flexibility rotating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's really going to be lineup dependent most of anything. We've been very X and O's heavy lately. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say to get a little off the X's and O's. Oh, yeah, I, think, I think, I think, I think Riley, Riley designed, Riley designed this team where I don't think they can win more than like high thirty games. I think like thirty eight is probably like where the team that's like max with this team. And I'm not sure if that's good enough for the playoffs. So basically, is that what the what Vegas you, over and under was. It was like 36 and a half, I think. Dude, that was so hard. I had no idea. What so, this, I... No, so, so basically what you're doing is you're hoping that the young guys have a year to develop. Um, you're probably, if you make the playoffs, you're barely sneaking in as an eight seed. And if you don't make the playoffs, 
you know, you're in the lottery with a draft pick this year. And if you suffered a bad injury, if, you know, if Drogic or Whiteside went down for a period of time, then guess what? Like, you accidentally tanked. You know what I mean? So it's kind of the year where you can do all those things. I mean, listen, if we didn't have a draft pick, I don't think the team is designed the way it is. But you're basically giving Winslow, Richardson, TJ more time to develop. You got Drogic, who's going to run all day, and you got Whiteside, who... Listen, Whiteside thinks he's the best player in the NBA, which is... No, Chalmers thinks he's the best player in the NBA. <laughs> they're, cut, they're cut from the same cloth, the same, uh, the same interesting cloth. So they were made in the same lab. They were made in the same laboratory. So, <laughs> it, listen, it's, it's good and bad. So, I think Whiteside's going to have an incredible season, and we'll just see, you know, let the chips fall as they may. I, I really, I like the design, I like the way this team is designed. I don't think it's going to lead to, like, to this ridiculous winning streak. I, I don't think we're going to be sitting here at the end of the year being like, how did the Heat get 45 wins? I just think, you know, this is a nuts. year... This is a year as Heat fans where we're going to get really frustrated, especially with Deion Waiters, and we're just going to have to deal with I think he's going to ball out. He might. I mean, he he came in in great shape. He lost a ton of weight. I I think defensively he's going to be incredible. I'm very worried about his offensive decision-making. but He's always been a really good defender, like weirdly. Yeah, but no one, but no one really knew that because um, you know he was like, he was always on Cleveland. Oh, but you know what's funny about guys like that? Usually, players like him on offense are bad defensively, right? Yeah, like Jamal Crawford. Jamal, but see, dude, everybody loves Jamal Crawford. Like nobody, oh. he's the best. Or Gary he's Smith? an awesome person. I just, I can't watch him play basketball. Oh, come on, dude. It's so funny because he just does the most wild things. And you're just like, why would you do that? I, I can watch him on Vine. I can't watch. Like, I can't watch a Clippers game. And see him, I'm like, so the max is stressed. five seconds. No, no, Nikias, you're missing out when like Chris Paul, like I think was, was it last season or two seasons ago that like everybody was hurt on the Clippers and he was the only competent player. That was fun. Didn't drop like 38 or something. It was crazy. I think that would have been last year, but yeah, oh see it result in an L. But I mean, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's not the point. The point is how you get there. It's not the result. It's the adventure. I mean, no, I, I'm a, oh, I'm sorry. Are you, I'm just saying, <laughs> Why are you bullying so, Nikias? I, I was going to agree with him, but I, I cut him off like a dummy. Yeah. You oh, the, man, you're good. I say for every highlight, you know, it's just him dribbling for 12 seconds into a contested 18 footer. <laughs> And it's just, why, you know? <laughs> you know, now that you say that, I have a question for both of you. Has there ever been a better basketball player that routinely dribbles the ball up top and then dribbles it off his shoe more than Dwayne Wade? Not even close. That happens too often, considering that he's one of the 15 greatest players ever. I have never seen a superstar guard with a sloppier handle. But it's good. It's like a good sloppy handle, though. That's what I'm saying. It just doesn't make sense because he's so skilled at things he isn't supposed to be skilled at. Like he's six four with the with a post up game of a season seven footer. But then he runs pick and roll and he's just dribbling up to his shoulder and he gets stripped. I'm just like, what are you doing? But like his pick and roll game is great, and like he's a good ball handler. But you also, oh man, what, what game was it that like he almost lost the ball on like four straight possessions and then he ended up scoring a layup? Do you remember? I think it was in a playoff game. Um, crap. Might have been against was the Raptors it? or Charlotte that like he, you, do you know the play I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It just looked like a disaster and he ended up scoring the basket. And you're like, oh my God, Dwayne. It's a, it's a, dude, Dwayne's an adventure. Yeah, I think he almost slipped on the play and then made this contested layup. Exactly. But he slipped like three times. I, I remember him slipping against Nets last season. He like dribbled around like almost like a Carlin Globetrotter. That was awesome. <laughs> that might have been it. Oh, do you remember? I think it was in the it was in the 2009-2010 season. It was like the second or third game of the season uh, where Dwayne hits the game winner with 0.1 seconds left. But he went for the crossover but almost lost the dribble. Yeah, like I, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense, man. Making me sad. It's like Bomani says, he keeps pulling them jacks. 
That's what it is, dude. Dwayne's the guy who just keeps pulling out jacks. You're like, how the hell do you do that? Bag of tricks, man. Bag, bag, the bag of tricks. Bag of tricks. Oh, did you guys see? I wasn't. I don't know. Did we ever confirm this? I saw somebody tweet out that uh, that he that Dwayne told Hassan, "Take care of my city, big boy." I've been seeing it, but I haven't seen it confirmed, dude. That'd be so. That's goosebumps, dude. That's awesome. Oh man. I'll be scared if that was true. But no. Like Hassan's either going to turn into Dwight or he's going to turn into Dwight. (laughs) Dwight's going to come back. What is it? November 10th and the city's going to be on fire. Hassan, (laughs) you had one job. I'm sorry. Oh, man. Oh, my God. He tried to bake like pizza bites and the whole city. (laughs) Oh, Hassan. Are you guys going to that game? I'm going to go. Yeah, me too. I don't know who I'm going to go with, but I'm going to go. I'm seeing if I go with coworkers. If not, I will find. I'll buy two tickets and I'll find somebody. <laughs> Just a random bum. Like I bought your ticket. I'll do that. I've got. Okay, is this weird? I've gone to games by myself. Is that weird? No. Um. Like I've bought a ticket to go to games by myself. I've never personally done it. I did once, like, buy a ticket for a heat game for law school without ever, like, knowing who was going to be there and ended up, like, with a dude for, like, a friend I knew for one quarter and then he bounced. So I was watching the game alone. Um, so like I guess I've been there. Like, is it weird that I, I did it for... Because my closest friends, most of my friends are not Heat fans. Mm-hmm. My Heat fans are Heat Twitter and some coworkers, but my my good good friends that live in Miami are not Heat fans. So for my birthday one year, I wanted to go to Ring Night against the Celtics, and I was like, I'm gonna go. I went alone. I spent my birthday alone at the Heat game, and then I did the next year again against the Bulls. I was going to like give you the benefit of the doubt for being like a very strong, independent um, gentleman, but going to a game by yourself on your birthday is it's like. Sad. I mean, I feel so bad. I want to reach through the, the the computer and give you a hug, man. You know, this my uh, they, my birthday is October thirtieth, and they play the Spurs that day, and I might go to that game by myself because I don't, you know, my friends don't like the Heat. Don't do that they, to yourself. They hate them. No, they hate them. I'm not your friend. I'm sure you, I'm sure Brian, you have you somebody. Think- I'm sure there's someone on Twitter who would go with you, man. Just like send out a, a you know, <laughs> a life tweet, a lifeline. Just go anybody. At it's my, my birthday. We'll make it a giveaway. I don't, oh, don't want to be alone. Ooh, tonight. that would be a good idea. We should do a heat MHP giveaway. You want to buy the ticket? No, I think we should auction you off for a night. Just oh my be- god, that'd be so much fun! <laughs> and then we'll go like, yeah, we'll have a, we'll have a night on the town. I think it's a but- Thursday game. But you'd have to promise not to bring up anime at all. I won't. No, you. Nope. Know, you know, most people don't know I like anime. I mean, just you guys on Twitter. But like, I guess in my office, I have a lot of anime stuff. No, no anime, no hentai, nothing like that. You I don't watch hentai. To. Why do you, like you people think I'm like a freak? Okay, well, everyone, everyone thinks for some reason I got this. Uh, you know that I'm racist for some reason. So we have oh, this, yeah, you are. these two horrible <laughs> things that follow us, even though they're not even you close took, to being you true. Al to a clan bar. You were at the same bar. Nothing happened. Because you were there. <laughs> they didn't want to kill one of their own. 